Hi everyone, let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is so powerful. We open our hearts to you today and we say, please keep speaking to us. Lord, we want to develop a bias toward action. Lord, we want to be those people who truly get kingdom things done. We open our hearts to you. Help us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Come and teach us, Holy Spirit. We're so open and we're so expectant. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm really excited that our church services have resumed and that we can fellowship with each other once again, face to face, seeing each other's lovely faces, most of us. And uh, so last week we started the Joburg Church once again and it was so powerful just being there and connecting with everyone. And then uh, this week, right now, today, we are resuming our Centurion services. So God is doing a powerful work in our midst. If you live in Pretoria East, we've been running uh, the services there for some time now. Pastor Michael and Fazai are just amazing pastors. So you can please uh, be a part of that particular congregation. And then we've also got Centurion that meets at 11.30 on uh, Sundays. And we've got the Joburg Church that meets at 9.30 on Sundays. And God is doing amazing work in our midst. <clears throat> well... Today I'm going to be speaking on the topic, uprooting passivity, uprooting passivity. What is passivity? What is passivity? See, what I've observed is that a lot of people today are weak-willed people, weak-willed people. They seem to struggle to follow through and do what they intend to do. They hardly ever live beyond their good intentions. I don't know if you've noticed that. You can have good intentions, but not actually live beyond the good intentions, where you actually do what you said you would do. At the root of this behavior, what I've found is that it's often mental passivity, mental passivity. So although the behavior manifests in procrastination, manifests in being faint-hearted, at the root of it very often is someone who is passive in their mind. You see, most dictionaries will describe passivity as one of these, okay, or a combination of these factors that I want to highlight. Remaining inactive, a lack of initiative, Passiveness, inertia, inactiveness, inactivity, a disposition to remain inactive or inert. Those of you who did chemistry, remember the inert gases, the noble gases. Okay, so for example, he had to overcome his inertia and get back to work. Sometimes it's described as spiritlessness, spiritlessness. There's some people who have that factor in their lives, spiritlessness, numbness apathy, lethargy, indifference, the trait of lacking enthusiasm for something or interest in things, generally speaking, torpor, torpidity, listlessness, inactivity resulting from lethargy and lack of vigor or energy. How many of you ever feel like that? You see, in order to be people that live beyond good intentions, we need to deal with passivity in our lives. And I believe that it's a spiritual dimension we're talking about. It's not just natural passivity. It's a passivity of the mind. And very often it's demonically inspired. I don't know if you've had experiences of this, where sometimes when you sit next to someone or you walk with someone who's very passive, 
and uh, it has been ignited by a spiritual dynamic you actually start feeling passive yourself you suddenly feel sleepy you suddenly feel tired well we can't get kingdom things done if we are under this particular thing and i'm hoping that after this message we'll have an opportunity to really pray into this and to uproot it from our lives you see many people are entrenched in a worldview of fatalism fatalism and this worldview asserts that events are fixed in advance so that human beings are powerless to change those events. And this breeds a mindset of passivity. And many people who are well-meaning Christians, who love Jesus, unfortunately their minds have not been renewed in this particular area. So they become passive. I believe that passivity begins in the mind. And so we're essentially dealing with mental passivity. You see, the enemy has besieged the minds of many believers. The devil has limited access to our human spirits, especially when we are born again. The devil has limited access to our human spirits, but he entices our minds to a place of passivity. And the result is that believers end up living like they are not saved. They live like they're unbelievers. Okay? And so important to really understand this because in essence, they become fruitless and useless. You see, your mind is a powerful gate that impacts the quality of your will and your emotions. I'm going to say that again. Your mind is a powerful gate that impacts the quality of your will and your emotions. And we know that in order to do greater things, we need our will to be involved. And so many Christians are weak-willed because their minds are passive. It's so important to understand this because if you don't understand this truth, what tends to happen is that you can listen to messages, you can read books, but if you're weak-willed and you're bound by a passive mind, nothing happens. And I want to speak this message today and I believe in God that he's going to free us from this spirit of passivity, you see. And what happens is when you're weak-willed, when you've got a will that is weak, when you're, not, when you're faint-hearted, what tends to happen is it influences the theme of this series, getting things done. You'll never get things done. You see, um, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 37, the Bible says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now we're used to that, right? Yeah, my heart, I love Jesus, my heart, you know, with all your soul and with all your mind. How do you love Jesus with your mind? You know, uh, when it comes to substance abuse in South Africa, for example, it's so prevalent. In fact, in South Africa, it actually is twice the world average. Okay, whatever the global average is, for us, it's times two, right? And, and I'm thinking about this and I'm saying, how, when your brain is cooked, when your brain is fried, how, when you are not in your right senses, do you actually love Jesus with all your mind? I want my mind to be sharp. I want my mind to be open to uh, what God wants to teach me. I want to be sharp so that I can love him with all my mind, so that I'm thinking clearly, so that I, I haven't got mental distortions, okay? We need to love God with all our minds. And you're not loving God with all your mind if you're mentally passive. 
You're not loving him with all your mind. In James chapter 4, verse 17, the Bible says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And often we look at these scriptures and we think it's just talking about, oh, doing someone a favor, doing someone a kind act, a good deed. But it's also talking about your purpose. If you know the good that you ought to do, is your purpose in life, your assignment from God, is it good or not? It is something that's good. If you know your purpose, but you don't do it because of passivity, right? Because of being weak-willed, it is sin for you. You see, the problem is many people are seeing their purpose in life as an option, as, as this thing where it's kind of like, it's a nice to do, you know? If I feel like it, I will serve the Lord. If I feel like it, I will go the extra mile and do what God has called me to do. You know, like you're doing God a favor. No, if anyone knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. What is sin? Sin is when you fall short of God's glory. When you fall short of his mark, of that mark, of that standard that he's called you to. That's what sin is. Look how active the word of God is. If God's word is active, then we too should be active. We can't be something different to what God's word is. The Bible says we are living epistles. So people are supposed to look at us and see the word. Okay. Um, in Isaiah 55 verse 11, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. Isn't that awesome? It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You know, so God applies this to his word. The nature of his word is that it doesn't return to him empty. Now, if you study scripture and God's nature and character, guess what? He also applies this principle to us, that he sends us out into the world and he expects us to come back with something, to come back fruitful, to come back saying, Lord, look what I've done with what you've called me to. The same thing that the word of God does, okay, not returning void. He's expecting us that when we have lived out our lives, when we're there on our deathbed, comes and says, mm, you know what, you delivered, you did the thing that I called you to do, just like my word does. It's, I think it's so amazing when you look at it. If you look at the parable of the talents, you see these principles, okay? Hey, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? We're called to be active as Christians. We're called to be active, not passive. In Ephesians 4, verse 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is alive and active. Believers should also be alive and active. If the word of God dwells richly in your heart, then you too should be alive and active. The word of God can't be alive and active. And then those of us who read the word, who digest his word, are not alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Bible tells us that we are living epistles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, we're called to be fruitful and impactful just like the word of God. Proverbs 18, verse 9, one who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys you see, when you're passive, you're actually bringing destruction, you know? If you speak to someone and you say, hey, does your father love you? If that father is passive, is that if that mother is passive, the child will say, I don't really know. I, I guess they do love me, but I don't feel loved. Why? The love is passive. If you've got a spouse 
and someone says does your husband love you does your wife love you you're going to look at how active and how passionate they are with that particular love there can be no room for lethargy and passivity in kingdom work because the result will be destruction <clears throat> i want to share with you some more things about passivity just unpacking it a bit passivity is lack of courage lack of confidence lack of persistence to accomplish what God has called us to do. That's what passivity is. Passivity is also inactivity, subdued in attitude, not responding to a word or action that was received. It's when someone goes on a personal go slow. You know when people go on a personal go slow and it's so difficult to monitor their progress because were they there at the meeting? Yes, they were there, but they were not there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And how do you give the person that feedback? Passivity also refers to the inability to resist evil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. But we must first be submitted to God. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. There are certain Christians who struggle with that, just resisting. Okay? Oh, I can't help it. That's why very often if someone is addicted to something, often their mind is passive. They struggle to resist that particular thing. It refers to being dull and without energy, emotionless and inexpressive. You hear people saying, I couldn't help it, or it's human nature, okay? But God has given us this born-again spirit. His spirit comes and regenerates your spirit, my spirit, okay? So we can't keep saying it's human nature because we don't have to live from that place. We can live from our spirit man. I believe we're in a season where God is saying to us, we need to develop the human spirit, that born again spirit. We need to develop it. We need to feed it. We need to strengthen it. I did a series some time back on the technology of spiritual strength, where I was unpacking some of these principles, you see, of how to become stronger in your spirit man. A lot of people are physically strong, but they're not spiritually strong. Passivity of mind speaks of a mind that is easy for imposters to access. So my question to you is, how secure is your mind? Very often when I'm working on my computer, what happens is that my antivirus pops up and says, oh, people are, you know, tracking you. Oh, there's this problem with your system at the moment. Okay. And my question to you is, how secure is your mind? Who has security access? Have you ever been affected by malware and uh, ransomware and all those kinds of things? Okay, mentally I'm now talking about. Is your mind password protected? Or does everyone have access to your mind? Does the enemy just keep throwing in junk into your mind? You see, your mind is more powerful than any computer. And I believe that our minds are one of the most precious things that we've been given. You see, so we need to protect our minds. And one of the key things we must protect our minds from is passivity. Passivity, you see. The key question is, who's the programmer? Who's the programmer of your mind? Who's writing the code for what's in your mind? This is so important. You see, although there's nothing that you can do to change your past, you can change the way you look at it. You can also take control of how it affects your relational patterns today. You see, when we're talking about your past, those are things that have happened to you. Those are, that's the code that has been written over you, okay, in your life. 
You've had experiences, but you've rehearsed those experiences based on how you interpreted those particular experiences. Okay. And some of you, you've ended up with a very passive mind as a result of those experiences. For example, if you were dominated by other people, controlled by other people, maybe you ended up with a misbelief that, you know what, I can't shape anything in my life. Kesarasara, whatever will be, will be. Okay? I just leave it all in God's hands and we'll just see what will happen. Life doesn't work that way. God has called us to rewrite that code. And that's what renewal of the mind is. Maybe you've had bad experiences, you interpret them in a certain way, which is against God's truth, okay? And now your life is affected by low self-esteem, it's affected by that trauma because of the code that has been written over you. And it's time now to rewrite the code, okay, over your life. You see, we react and we respond to things based on the state of our minds. We react and we respond to things based on the state of our minds. If I believe that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, when someone insults my looks, the result is I will feel sorry for them. I'll be like, he's got bad taste. I'll be like, what's up with him? Why is he being so mean? You see, and I'll cry out to God for mercy on their behalf. Okay, because I've got a bulletproof self-image. And we must have bulletproof self-images where we are so convinced of what God says about us. You see, what they say to me doesn't hurt me because I know that they don't define me. We must know this and know this for sure, for ourselves. You see, this is because of the state of my mind with regards to that particular matter. You know, when you know that your school team is the best in the league, for example, and other schools are jealous and they say, we are better than you, you're not hurt when people tease you about your team. You know that it's just talk because you know who you are. You're the best team. And that's how we need to see ourselves. So we react and we respond to things based on the state of our minds. Is your mind renewed by the word of God? Is it sanctified? Is it washed with the word of God? Are you in a space in your life where you've just accepted anything and everything and so you've become passive? You see, your mental state affects the meaning you attach to the life events at any given moment. This is so important. I always say this, that we are not shaped by our experiences. We are shaped and influenced by the story we tell ourselves about our experiences. What story have you been telling yourself about your life experiences? What have you been telling yourself? Do you need to maybe change that story? Sometimes when I'm counseling or coaching people, I say to them, what else could be true? What else could be true? So that they just see different alternatives. You see, when you've got a passive mind, you don't think that way. When you've got a passive mind, you just accept all the junk. I call it stinking thinking. You just accept all the junk that's thrown at you. This is so important to understand that we've got the power to let in certain things into our minds and actually to um, expel certain things from our minds and to say, I do not want this. This is not from God. This is not in line with the word of God. You see, <clears throat> get a revelation of this scripture that I'm about to share with you so that it's easy to spot any imposters. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. You see, the passive mind is often timid. Does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, 
and self-discipline. Some translations say, and a sound mind. I want to ask you, how disciplined is your mind? How sound is your mind? Okay? God has given us the spirit. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. So if you're feeling timid, right, that's not from God. That's not from his spirit. But he gives us power, he gives us love, and he gives us self-discipline. Now, some of the Greek words, I just want to unpack them, okay? The word uh, delius uh, speaks of cowardice, it speaks of fear, and it speaks of being timid, okay? And then when we're talking about the word pneuma in the Greek, it's speaking of spirit, it's speaking of breath. And then dunami there, or dunamos, is speaking of power. This is the miraculous might and strength. So it's not just talking about energy. It's talking about divine energy. It's talking about miraculous uh, power, all right? Supernatural power and might. And then love there is actually the word agape, all right? That's God's kind of love. It's God's love. And the word discipline there, the word uh, sufronumo, it speaks basically of discipline, self-control. It speaks of being safe-minded, okay? Uh, it speaks of um, aptly acting out God's will by doing what he calls sound reasoning. So it's quite an active process we're talking about. When it says he's given us a, a sound mind, a mind of self-discipline, it's basically talking about a mind that is disciplined enough to follow through on God's will for your life. Oh, God's word says this, I will flow with that. But many people's minds are saying a couple of things, are saying two different things. Yes, God's will says this, but oh, I can't do it, okay? That's the passive mind. In Romans 8 verse 7, the Bible says this, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. My question is, is your mind governed by God's spirit, or is it governed by the flesh? If it's governed by your flesh, it will be hostile to God. My question to you is, what is governing your mind, the flesh or the spirit? I want my mind to be governed by the spirit of God. What is your mind set on? What are your default thoughts? Very often scripture talks about mindset. Fix your eyes on things above. Things above, not on the things below, not on the things of the flesh. Okay? I want to encourage you to conduct regular mindshare audits where you are looking at yourself and just saying, what is dominating my thought life? What is dominating my mind? Ask yourself questions like, how was my mind contaminated today? I want to show you that it's so important to guard your mind. This is one of the most powerful assets you've got. Okay? When the Bible says, guard your heart, for from it flows the issues of life. Well, you know what? Your mind is a part of that. Your mind is a part of that inner man. And we're called to guard it. Okay? What lies am I carrying in my mind today? What lies am I carrying in my mind today? Lies that I'm believing about myself. Lies that I'm believing about others. Lies that I'm believing even about God. Lies that I've believed about how the world works. 
You see, this is how the enemy takes us captive. If you're not conscious of those lies, if you're not praying strong prayers where you're saying, Lord, expose my heart. Show me if there's any wickedness within me. If you're not praying strong prayers like that, it's so easy for the enemy to take your mind captive. What truths can I use to displace the lies with? You see, there's the psychology of um, thought suppression. You can't really suppress your thoughts. You have to displace your thoughts with something else. You see, if you've got negative thoughts, if you've got thoughts that are not true, right? Untrue thoughts. It's so important to displace them with the truth. How has my mind affected my emotional state today? Because the honest truth is that your mind affects your emotions. Your mind is that gate, okay, that literally affects how you end up feeling. And then how you end up feeling can affect your behavior. Not so. Ask yourself the question, have I lost my voice? You see, the enemy's strategy is to silence you, specifically you and also generally the church. He wants to silence us and he plays games with your mind so that you believe it's not worth speaking out. It's not worth standing up for the truth. It's not worth going out and doing kingdom things. My question to you is, do you stand up for what you believe? Do you know that you are powerful? I'm trying to break you out of passivity by reminding you of what's in your spirit, man, and how strong your inner person is, how God has created you. Now, the key question is, how did we learn passivity? What are some of the causes of mental passivity? You see, when we understand these causes, we know what to guard our hearts from, okay? One of the things is actually to do with birth order and how we were parented. If you're in an environment, it happens a lot with last borns, but it doesn't have to be a last born. Sometimes it happens with middle, a middle child and so on. You know, sometimes they become so passive because decisions were made for them. Decisions were made for them by older siblings that were domineering. Decisions were made for them by parents. Okay. I remember counseling a couple of uh, young girls and they were in a situation where they were experiencing social phobia right? They, was, they would struggle to speak out in certain situations. But what came up was that their mom would answer questions on their behalf. You know what I'm talking about? When a friend would come and say, oh, so what sports are you girls doing now? And the mom comes in, oh, they used to do tennis, now they're doing ballet. What happens? Those girls became passive. I'm not good enough to answer. Mom will answer for me anyway. My older siblings will do it anyway. They're the ones who speak well. I don't. And you become passive. So it's important how we, how we parent our children. It's also really crucial if you're on the receiving end to become conscious of it and to say, have I become passive? Have I become lazy mentally? Because, oh, my husband will do all the speaking for me. Oh, my husband will explain that. Or my wife will do that for me. She is the one who likes that kind of thing, right? Uh, media. I'm talking about television and computer games. We know about this. Research has been carried out that actually shows this very clearly, that when children spend so much time watching television, playing computer games, their minds become dulled, their minds become passive, and it actually affects them. It affects them uh, academically also, okay? Drugs. I don't need to go deep into this. At some point, I'll do, um, I'm going to do a whole uh, talk um, for, for some of our youth and some of our young people and people in general, parents need to be aware of some of these things. But I'm telling you, we need to sort this out, you know. 
um, out of every 100 people you see in South Africa, 15 of them have got a drug problem. Okay, out of every hundred rand that's circulating, that's in circulation, 15 rand is used in substance abuse. Okay, we've got a problem. Communities are being wiped out because of this. Let me tell you something. When drugs come in, it's not a case of, hey, try this. It's going to cook your brains. It's going to fry your brains. It's going to destroy your life. You know, no one says that to you. It's just little by little. Hey, come and have a bit of fun. Hey, come. You need this to relax. Pain seeks pleasure, right? So uh, drugs are a biggie. Demonic activity and ancestral worship, right? When people expose themselves to ancestral worship, right? You're not communicating to your ancestors. Those things that are manifesting are actually demonic spirits, familiar spirits that are pretending to be your ancestor. If the devil just comes and says, oh, I'm a demon over here, come and talk to me. People wouldn't do that. That's why he comes uh, as an angel of light and deceives many. So demonic activity and ancestral worship, watch out for that. Uh, a domineering authority figures in your life, okay? Um, escapism, that's another biggie. A lot of times people who experienced pain in their lives as they were growing up, right? The way they would try to escape from that pain was by detachment. And sometimes that detachment is mentally, where they'll just block you out, block people out. And they literally won't be listening, won't be hearing what you're saying. You hear some people saying, the moment someone raises their voice, I literally shut down, I switch off. Okay, it's a defense mechanism, right? So escapism and fantasy can cause passivity of the mind, right? Uh, trauma, right? When people have been raped, when people have been abused in various ways, they literally shut down a part of themselves, right? But then they become passive. Remember, part of passivity is where you're passive emotionally. You're not feeling anything, okay? You're completely numb, right? That's why we talk about mental passivity, but there's also emotional passivity. You don't respond to anything. People say, hey, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. You know, I, I did so well in my test. I got 90% and you can't feel anything. You see, sometimes people numb themselves from pain, but you can't compartmentalize numbing. So when you numb yourself from pain, often you're also numbing yourself from joy, okay? Um, habitual sin without repentance is a source of passivity. It's when someone continues in sin and they know it's wrong and their conscience becomes seared and they become literally passive mentally, okay? So what are some of the consequences of a passive mind? I want to ask you, are you the subject of the action? Are you the main actor in your life? Or are you the victim? Are you conditioning yourself to be a certain way? Or is your mind this blank slate that the enemy writes his code on? I want to share with you some consequences of mental passivity. When you are passive mentally, what tends to happen is you end up with a passive will. Okay, So you're indecisive. You never complete tasks. You know when you hear people say, yeah, I start lots of things, but I never finish. Often it's because of the passive will. Okay? You're continuously distracted by things. You get started on something, friends say, oh, come, can you do this with us? And you're already floating there. Your will isn't functioning. You're not able to say, no, I need to do my work. Okay? That's what the will does. There's also passive decision making as a consequence of our passivity. This is where you've got an inactive mind. Okay, you just blank out your mind, right? You hesitate. Or there's rashness where you'll just be impulsive and just do something. 
There's lack of concentration. There's lack of judgment. And there's also a poor memory. How many of you know that God blesses us with a sharp mind? And part of what he's given us is the ability to remember good things. Okay? That's a blessing. That's a blessing. You also can end up with passive intellect and imagination. You see, God has called us to use creative imagery to his honor and glory. That's why the Bible says you will have more than you can ask for or imagine. He wants us to use our imagination even when we are praying. But when, you're, when your mind is passive, it affects your imagination. It affects your imagination because remember, your imagination is a part of your mind. So you end up with dulled vision. Sometimes I coach people and I say, what do you want to do in the future? What do you see yourself doing? And there are people who really struggle with it. I can't see. I don't know. I just don't know. I just live for the moment, Paul. Hey, Paul, these are difficult questions. God has given us an imagination. And when he restores the human soul, you're able to dream again. You see, our creative imagery should be for the Lord and not besieged by the enemy. And many people, they can't dream anymore. They struggle to dream. Okay, and I'm talking about dreaming and having a vision. They really battle to do that. And yet they can have lustful thoughts, lustful imaginations, evil imaginations. So they're using their imagination for evil. Okay, inventing evil. The Bible talks about that. Okay, um, you can also have passive judgment or commitment to a position. You see, you cannot make a clear judgment on certain issues. When your mind is passive, you're always sitting on the fence and people think you're two-faced. Okay? You know that there are things that we've been called to judge, not just to placate. And I'm not talking about being judgmental as a person, but having a view of something, right? Having a view on something, being able to say, mm, this is right, uh, this is wrong. That's why the Bible says, can't you guys judge things internally? Do you not know that you're going to judge the angels at some point? All right? Why do you need outsiders to judge your affairs, right? Uh, it's talking about the church. There's also passive reasoning. This is where you've got a closed mind and you're often bound by doctrines of demons, all right? Or a cultish spirit. You know those people who are part of a cult and you're trying to say to them, the word of God doesn't say you must do that. You must rather do this. Can't you see you're deceived? Can't you see this is foolish? And they just can't see because of passive reasoning. Their mind is shut. Their mind is closed, right, to the truth. There's also a passive conscience, right? This happens with moral degradation, right? Moral stagnation, retrogression in life and in serving God, okay? False reasoning, okay? It also happens when your conscience is seared. The Bible talks about how the conscience can be seared. You know how if you get burnt, let's say an eye, you get burnt with the iron or something like that, and that part of your body where you've been burnt, right, there's no reaction. All the nerves have been burnt off and so on. You can't feel anything there. That you just numb. All right. Some people are like that when it comes to their conscience. Other people, if they say a half-truth, they feel very quickly convicted. They repent and they confess it. Their, their conscience is sharp in specific areas. Is there any aspect of your life where your conscience has been seared? Uh, and you know what, guys? What I've seen is that you'll find some people in one aspect of their lives, they're super relaxed. In many other aspects, okay, their conscience is sharp, it's strong, it hasn't been seared. But in other areas, they couldn't care less. You see it happening and you're like, huh? 
for someone who's so disciplined spiritually in this aspect of their lives and this aspect, this aspect, why would they do this thing? Why are they not convicted in this other particular area? Okay, that means that they've got a passive conscience. Their mind has not been renewed in that particular aspect of their lives. Okay, so for example, they'll think, oh, you know, homosexuality is fine. Fornication is okay. You know, I'll just sleep with my girlfriend. I'll just sleep with my boyfriend. We're not really married yet. And they'll rationalize it. Okay, yet the Bible has something to say about that. Right. There's also the passive spirit. And that's why I've said to you, we need to develop the born again spirit because you get born again, but then you're like a baby and you need to feed yourself with the word of God. Okay. This is sometimes uh, where you end up with wrong thoughts. You end up with an inactive spirit. One of the powerful ways of edifying your spirit, man, is by praying in the spirit. The Bible says when you pray in the spirit, you edify yourself. You build yourself up in the most holy faith, the Bible says, as you pray in the spirit. Okay. Some people, uh, unfortunately, they are powerless. Their spirit, man, is powerless Okay, uh, because they have not fed it. And this is something for us to really look into. You can also have a passive body, and I alluded to this earlier on, where you can't feel anything, right? Where you literally can't feel anything. You have a passive smell, passive taste, passive feelings, a dulled con consciousness, right? You sleepy all the time. Watch out for that. Passive sight. Oh, did you see that person? Which person? Okay, I was doing my other thing, right? Um, something we must be careful of. So what senses are not working? within you because of passivity and i'm talking specifically about physical senses physical senses god has given us our physical senses as a blessing did you smell that smell what i don't even smell it oh yeah now i can smell it okay god wants you to be sharp not passive okay we also talk about the passive whole man where you have dormant affections dormant bodily needs Severity to the body, indulgence of the flesh, you know, st uh, stoical uh, feelings, right? Being stoic is basically being calm and almost without any emotion. But when you're stoic, you don't show what you're feeling a lot of the times, and you also accept whatever is happening. Oh, I won't let it affect me, I'll just accept it. God wants us to rise up and deal with certain things that are happening around us. He wants us to be effective in society. Then there's also relational passivity, okay? So this is seen when you don't express your opinion or your preference in relational situations. People ask you, do you want to go to this restaurant or this restaurant? Ah, I don't really mind, whatever, you know? And people are asking for your opinion. Now, sometimes you can do that because you're being flexible, but a lot of times people do it out of a place of passivity. Their mindset is, I'm not okay, you guys are okay, you make all the decisions, all right? These are things we must watch out for. One of the signs of passivity in relationships is actually lack of assertiveness. Okay, When you're relationally passive, you allow others to choose for you. Things that you should be choosing yourself. Oh, you decide. And you think you're being polite. You think you're being humble, but you're actually not. Okay, You're emotionally dishonest. You're emotionally dishonest because you really have an opinion, but you're so used to letting other people make the decisions. So you become an indirect person, self-denying and inhibited. You often actually feel anxious, you feel ignored, you feel helpless, you feel manipulated and you have a low self-esteem. 
other people achieve their goals at your expense. You never have a plan for your weekend, for example. You're always on someone else's program, right? Now, here's the thing. The underlying belief of someone who's relationally passive is this. I should never make anyone uncomfortable or displeased except myself. That's not great. That's not healthy. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I want to land this message by sharing with you three things that a sound mind can do for you. I want to just share with you three things that a sound mind can do for you. So a non-passive mind. Three things. The first is a sound mind is there to design and shape your future state. God wants us to live by design, not by default. In Philippians 4, 6 to 8, the Bible says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You have requests, present them to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So God wants his peace to guard our minds. Finally, brothers and sisters, watch this. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So God is calling us to a place where we choose what we're going to think about. Things that are noble, things that are true. How many times are we thinking about things that are untrue? How many times are we meditating on lies? Okay, things that are right, things that are pure. How, much, how many times is there lack of purity in our thoughts? Things that are lovely, things that are admirable. God wants us to dream. He wants us to have his peace guarding our minds. And he wants us to dream as we focus on these beautiful things. Here's the principle. Everything starts as a thought. And he's given us these wonderful minds so that we can begin to create things around us. You see, many people, when they talk about vision and dreaming, they think it's just for five years' time. It's just for ten years' time. I'll dream into the future. You know, like you can dream about the next chunk of your day. You can dream about that meeting that's coming up. And you can start thinking, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's admirable, whatever's pure. You can be thinking about those things. You can fix your mind on those things. And guess what? That's what you end up creating. That's what ends up happening in your environment. I'm telling you that right now. The second thing a sound mind does is that a sound mind is there to protect what enters your spirit. This is so important to understand. You see, if your mind is passive, all sorts of junk can get into your spirit, man. All sorts of junk can defile your spirit, man. It's important that you value your mind. Let me encourage you. Value your mind. Guard what goes into it. Watch what you let into the eye gate and the ear gate. You are in charge. You are in charge of those gates. What are you going to listen to? I'm tired of hearing people saying things like, oh, the guys at work, you know, they're so negative. You know, and I have to have lunch with them and I eat with them and I sit with them. I'm saying you don't have to hang out with them. And by the way, when you're having a conversation with them, you've got to also change the direction of the conversation. Part of assertiveness is being able to say, come on, guys, we're being negative here. Let's focus on this. 
You're not in denial about the negative things happening, about the bad things happening. You're just in a space in your life where you're saying, you know what, I'm choosing to focus on the opportunity in the calamity. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And here's the problem in the body of Christ today. We're not taking captive every thought. We take captive some thoughts, but other thoughts, we're like, it's not that sinful, you know? I'm just worried. But very often what worry is, is you're meditating on things that are not true. And the Bible says, whatever is true, that's what you should focus on. But when you're worrying, very often you are meditating on the mess within your own soul, right? And you're using that as a predictor of what's going to happen externally. It's not based on the truth, okay? So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What are the arguments in your mind that have exalted themselves above the knowledge of God, okay? We need to take those arguments captive. Thirdly, a sound mind helps you to do the impossible. Helps you to do the impossible. Ephesians 3.20, I mentioned this scripture earlier on. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So guess what? I need my mind to be imagining certain things. And then I need to speak out to the Lord and ask for that which I'm imagining. And guess what? He is able to give me immeasurably more than what I'm asking him for. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You see, the Bible describes God as El Shaddai, the full-breasted one, the God who's more than enough. That's his nature. His nature is abundance. But guess what? If I have a passive mind and not a sound mind, I will not be able to do this. I will not dream God's type of dream for me. I will not ask God's kinds of requests. I won't do so because my mind is passive. And when you have a passive mind, your default is whatever's happening around you. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray a strong prayer to uproot passivity so that you can get kingdom things done in your life. Let's pray. Maybe you are here and you've listened to this message and you are in a place where you're saying to me, Pastor, I want a sound mind to help me to do the impossible. I want a sound mind where I am protecting whatever's entering my spirit. Where you're saying, Pastor, I've been passive. I've allowed all sorts of things to come. But today I'm saying I want a sound mind so that I can actually design and shape my future state. Just pray this with me. Father, I come to you right now and I ask, Lord God, that you would deliver me from mental passivity. Right now, I renounce the things that have held me back, the weights that have held me back and caused me to have a passive mind. I ask God for your forgiveness, Lord, where I've entertained all sorts of things and I have allowed things into my eye gates and my ear gates. Today, I make that decision and I say, God, I'm coming before you and I want to love you, Jesus, with all my mind. Not just 
with my heart, not just with my soul. No, Lord, I want to love you with all my mind. I do not want to be passive. I want to be that person, Lord God, who is active in the things of God, who follows through when you say this is your will. I thank you, God, that I've not been given a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. I thank you that you've given me a self-disciplined mind. I thank you, God, that you have recreated my inner person so that my spirit man becomes strong. Help me to feed my inner person, Lord, with your word. Right now, I renounce all lies, all misbeliefs, and I embrace your truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. And for the people of God, I say you are free. I say you are loosed from mental passivity and you're loosed into your right mind. I bless you now in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said, Amen. I encourage you to download the PDF and to go through these notes to get the prayer strategy and to pray through this particular message because this is so key in unlocking those dimensions in your life where you don't live like a non-believer, but you live like a believer. God bless you.